Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 13. Unlucky for some, but not for me. In fact, I made it into the top 30 in the iTunes ranking. So thank everyone, thanks for everyone that's subscribing over there, that is uh, writing the reviews and obviously listening to uh, the show through iTunes. Thanks again. If you haven't, make sure you go over to iTunes and drop a little review because it means the world to me and it will get me pumped up. More people to listen to the wonderful ramblings of myself. But anyway, on today's show, we're going to be talking the news and then we're just going to do a big chunk of fun on Leicester City. We're going to talk Claudio Ranieri's title-winning side in the 2015-16 Premier League season. And then we're going to move on to what went wrong for Ranieri this year and potentially what he could have done to still be in a job right now, maybe an evolution of the side. But anyway, let's go through the news straight away. So first up, Victor Moses has signed a brand new deal at Chelsea. He signed a deal which will last until 2021 and quite frankly, Victor Moses has been one of the most improved Premier League players this season. Playing right wing back in Chelsea's 3-4-3, he's been absolutely fantastic, both in a defensive sense and an attacking sense. What he gives Chelsea at right wing back is work rate, his quality in that final third and pace to break and power to, to help out the likes of Pedro, Azard, and Costa when Chelsea are transitioning from their defence to attack. But, you know, a, a contract well-deserved for Victor Moses. Well done to the Nigerian international. Moving on to other news, Manchester United have um, said today that they will cover the £120 visa cost for any United fans travelling away to Rostov um, in the Europa League so that's a good thing from Manchester United considering the you know the support they do get away from home is pretty good in the Premier League in other reports uh, there's been murmurings around uh, the Express the Daily Star that Alexis Sanchez is going to maybe return to Spain at the end, end of the season and quit Arsenal if Arsene Wenger leaves um, Sanchez has been linked with a move to Real Madrid or potentially back to uh, you know up north to Manchester City Either option could be quite interesting considering how uh, uh, Benzema's done in the recent few weeks not too great in front of goal Morata again being linked with a move away to Chelsea could be quite interesting to see Alexis Sanchez at Real Madrid but moving on Carragher and Danny Simpson had some cracking Twitter beef this morning so it all started with uh, Danny Simpson twi- tweeting a picture um, of Jamie Carragher in an Everton kit in fact Jamie Carragher spent uh, uh, yesterday at the Everton training ground working with the, the staff and doing some, some interviews and some sky work so Simpson tweeted just going to put it out there no offence but I think that I would never see Gary Neville uh, training in a Man City uh, training shirt. 
Carragher responded to more offensive than you lot running around on Monday in reference to Leicester City's victory against Liverpool. Uh, Danny Simpson coming back with a real banger. I respect your opinion. And as a defender, I looked up to you and I and what you've uh, achieved in your, you know, in your career. However, I won the league and you haven't. Thumbs up emoji, crying smiley face emoji, trophy emoji. That really angered the uh, f- former Liverpool man who responded with, thought you had more. Are you part of one of those joke players at Man U who claim titles after playing five games a season? Quite on severe, severe Daniel, with a emoji with a, you know, a questioning face, a thinking face, with obviously Simpson responded, me, responded with a picture of him lifting the Premier League title with Danny Drinkwater at Leicester City saying, yeah, joke Man United players holding this beauty. Carragher responding with, Severe, please, Daniel, Severe. And that is definitely 1-0 to Danny Simpson. Some great Twitter beef banter there. Finishing off uh, with the last little bit of news, and Mario Goethe um, unfortunately has been um, diagnosed with a myopathy, which apparently is a weakness of muscles or fatiguing muscles um, of his limbs, be it his uh, legs or be it his arms. So potentially could signal the end of Mario Goethe's career or you know the slowdown of his career, not at that top level anymore. If he scored the winner in the World Cup final, was fantastic at Borussia Dortmund. The Jurgen Klopp Borussia Dortmund team was was sort of built around. Lewandowski built around Mario Goetze and that was the team that won the title Royce obviously was brought in a bit later on but that team that won the title was fantastic in the season that they got to the Champions League final Mario Goetze registering five assists in that campaign no player managed more so it's a big shame for Mario Goetze and I'm quite sad his trajectory of his career has gone leaving Borussia Dortmund to Bayern Munich a bit of a bad move from him there and then obviously back to Dortmund and now unfortunately this and it's sad sad news for you know the German international and in final little bit of news um Good old Claudio Ranieri. Uh, his agent has been saying that he's been talking with some Italian clubs. So hopefully Claudio can get back into management. But anyway, that nicely transitioned us on to the massive, massive, massive talking point of today's episode. And that is, of course, Leicester City in the 2015-16 Premier League season that they went on to lift the trophy with a cracking 83 points. But anyway... Leicester City, what an achievement that was. It probably only goes back to one other achievement in European football, and that was Verona uh, in the the 80s in Serie A in a very competitive uh, league where the likes of Inter, Juve, AC were spending a lot of money and, and Verona came out and they won they won the league. Similar uh, sort of achievement to Leicester City, who in fact were battling relegation the season before. Nigel Pearson came in in around January and really turned their form around. Went from being... Um, a pretty poor side, a side that was very much a championship side to an aggressive pressing 3-4-3 that pressed from the front and put teams on the back front, back foot and were really good at home uh, and obviously kept up themselves uh, in the Premier League there and Claudio Ranieri came in the summer. Pretty strange appointment because I quite enjoyed what Nigel Pearson had done at Leicester City, progressing them, but obviously Ranieri coming in, he kept it quite similar in terms of how he wanted the team to press, to sit back, but then to counter-attack, but then he also brought in this 4-4-2 that won Leicester City the Premier League. Anyway, in terms of Leicester City, they are up there with some of the best teams that have ever won the Premier League in terms of uh, the greatest points margin with second place. Leicester City won the league by 10 points. That has only been eclipsed four times in Premier League history. That was once by Manchester United in the 99-2000 season, uh, once by Chelsea in 04-05, Arsenal in 03-04, and then Man United again in 2012-13. So it was a great achievement for Claudio Ranieri. In terms of what his Leicester City team did, I'm getting a phone call in the middle of the podcast. Who is this? Oh, it's my landlord who, in fact, 
texted me at 9am in the morning yesterday to say that he was putting up some scaffolding and doing some windows in the morning of the day he was doing it. Not great landlord techers there. And now he's just interrupted the podcast. What a terrible guy. But anyway, back to Leicester City. So their 4-4-2, um, it was the setup that they went for. How Leicester City played last season, it was very simple. They won the ball back, then they looked quite direct to either Jamie Vardy or Riyad Mahrez to counter-attack. They look for uh, Jamie Vardy into the channels or balls over the top to use Vardy's pace, use his work rate and use his determination to get behind op- opposition's defences and then he would just pull the trigger and usually score the goal in this season with his chance conversion at around 26%. The other option on the counter would be going to Riyad Mahrez um, and letting him run with the ball, letting him create. He was the playmaker within the side. In terms of where they won the ball, it was quite interesting. Leicester City could either sit deep, defend their penalty area with Wes Morgan and Robert Huth bossing that sort of area of the pitch, or they press high and they'd be quite compact and the press would be quite good. Obviously, with the likes of Ogazaki in the team, Vardy leading from the front, and then the second band of Drinkwater and usually Angulo Conte being the guy that's really winning the ball back, it was a perfect system. But they looked to break and they looked to counter-attack. In fact, in the last uh, 10 years of the Premier League, no team has had fewer uh, a fewer average possession than Leicester City, who only averaged 42.4% of the ball when they won the league, which is an incredible achievement. But anyway, that was their basic setup, the 4-4-2. So compact, so aggressive, so good at winning the ball back and transitioning onto the counter-attack. We've seen a number of teams this season play a similar style of football. Monaco, um, a little bit different to Leicester City, but a similar 4-4-2 on the break. Leipzig again, quite direct, quite similar. And again, there was a lot of comparisons between Ranieri's Leicester City and Atletico's 4-4-2 under Simeone. The slight difference I found there was Simeone's 4-4-2 usually comprised of four... um sort of central midfielders in their midfield whereas Leicester City had uh, a playmaker on the, le- the right hand side in Riyad Mahrez who's coming into his right foot Creighton in the number 10 slot then on the other hand side they had a winger in Albrighton that used to cross 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 so it's slightly different but they defended in this in a similar way where they try and f- uh, force their opponents out to the wings use the touchline as a sort of um, you know another defender uh, you know another player you know another sort of bar or block to, to press the opponents towards and push them out wide and then deal with the crosses in the middle. You know, Wes Morgan, Robert Huth, pretty much Diego Godin and um, Jose Jimenez last season. But anyway, let's talk about the key components in the side. I touched on them, the key, a slight key components at the start of the, the tactical breakdown, but let's go into a little further detail. Of course, we've got to start with Jamie Vardy. Let's party like Jamie Vardy. You know, Vardy is having a party, all those types of things. WKD, um, Vimto, Lucas A, drinking alcohol before the game but what he did uh, for Leicester City in the 2015-16 Premier League season was score goals for fun in fact it was quite interesting that Jamie Vardy failed to register a hat-trick that season or maybe you know I think he might have picked up one hat-trick that season Um, but it was quite interesting that he was consistently just scoring one goal or scoring the brace usually the first goal and that's a really interesting thing with this Leicester City side is that usually scored the first goal So in 68% of Leicester City's games in the Premier League uh, in that season, in the 2015-16 season, they scored the first goal. And that was so important for their their team and how they focused. If you're playing on the counter-attack and you're playing sort of a you know, you're playing a bit of a blocky style of a press, a medium press where you want to nick the ball back in the final third and then counter-attack. It's really crucial nicking that first goal. You go back to Jurgen Klopp's uh, Borussia Dortmund side that pressed so aggressively at the start. If they didn't nick that first goal, they used to struggle in games. They used to not be able to sit back and counter-attack. And that's what Leicester City did in 26 out of their 38 games was score that first goal, which is an incredible achievement. That was the biggest number of um, first goals in games of any Premier League side. And in terms of points, after, um, you know, taking the first goal, they picked 
picked up 66 points after scoring that first goal. And that, again, was more than any of the Premier League side, nine more than any other team. In terms of at home, in 74% of the games, so that was... Uh, 14 out of the 19 home games they took the first goal and away a similar very very good record 19 out sorry 12 out of the 19 away games Tate scoring that first goal and that just helped them break that opened up space if Leicester City scored the first goal teams would have to press you know press on them they'd have to try and dictate the play um, around the halfway line with their centre-backs and that just played into Leicester City's hands as soon as the uh, transfer of, of the ball came over Leicester's transition was brilliant and Jamie Vardy was crucial to that he was the guy that's stretching the opposition as soon as they Leicester turned over the ball he'd run the channels and that was a key move whether it be um, one of the players you know Albrighton Drinkwater one of the centre-backs clearing the ball playing a ball into the channels it'd either be a Vardy direct goal or they'd create an opportunity from that and that's where Leicester was so so good at but it was crucially scoring that first goal and that's what they did so well in the tempo that they started in games going back to Jamie Vardy you know he, had, he broke the Ruud van Nistelrooy record and scored in 11 consecutive games absolutely incredible record but a lot of those were first goals and he went on to score 24 goals in the Premier League his best season ever and we've seen this season that potentially was not a you know a player of great class but a player that was massively informed last season in terms of his finishing it was quite similar you look at his goals played over the top one touch bang it was that single touch and then you hit it. If Jamie Vardy seems to take too many touches or too much thought in his finishing, usually he would miss the target. It was quite like, you know, coming from the, uh, you know, playing semi-professional football, it was that kind of mentality that it was all instinctive, but it was an instinctive, um, you know, it wasn't a bad way of being an instinctive striker. We've seen great strikers in world football not having great technique, but being instinctive. You think of Inzaghi as the greatest example of a finisher that just goes with his head and just goes with his sort of heart and his instinct over his head. But so Jamie Vardy scored some absolute blind goals you think of the goal that he scored against uh, Liverpool which you've got to give him his, his technique a little bit more credit but it was that play the ball out of your feet use your pace to get in behind and then smash the ball in the back of the net a great weapon on the counter attack in terms of how he was found as well he had a great relationship with Danny Drinkwater Danny Drinkwater playing central midfield with Angulo Kante Drinkwater was the playmaker in the side the guy that was trying to look for those high octane balls and that's what he was instructed to do by Ranieri is, is consistently look for the balls over the top look for the through balls look for those opportunities um, and it sort of reflected his pass accuracy that was lower than or around about 80%, which for a central midfielder at this level of, of football where we're expecting like 19, 95% pass accuracy, you know, a contrast of styles. But consequently, it meant that he found Jamie Vardy. And in terms of getting assists from his own half, he made more assists from his own half than any other player in Europe's top five leagues. And they all came for Jamie Vardy, four assists, in fact. And that was so crucial for the counter-attack. Drinkwater picking it up, using his great passing that he'd learned for his days at Manchester United to find Drinkwater in behind. And that was a great sort of relationship together, Drinkwater and Jamie Vardy. Something that's a little bit underrated in this Leicester City side. In terms of the other big counter-attacking component, of course, it is Riyad Mahrez. Fantastic on the break lightning feet lovely step overs a lovely way of finishing curling the ball into the back of the net scored a few penalties but earned a lot of those penalties obviously a lot of people criticize some goal scorers from scoring a lot of a high percentage of their goals from penalties Mahrez was a guy that was winning them himself so I wasn't too you know concerned with his goal scoring right this season his form is just absolutely flop but we'll talk about that a bit later on in terms of what he did in that title winning season fantastic 17 goals and 11 assists playing pretty much right midfield a lot of the time played number 10 a few times um, did well uh, in the early season playing that position but usually on the right cutting in onto his left foot and creating or even drifting to that left hand side so it was just uh, he just had the complete freedom and with the rest of the side was so built for defence and, and compactness and aggression Riyad Mahrez was the guy that was given that freedom it's sort of you look at great sides in counter-attacking football in recent years you think of Wolfsburg with De Bruyne or you think of Messi at Barcelona under Enrique you don't class it as a counter-attacking team but it was a very good counter-attacking team on the break all had the rest 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The players worked hard. You had Okazaki in there, Vardy working hard in the midfield three. Or Brighton was brilliant at covering Christian Fuchs. They had a great relationship on that left wing. Um, and then the back four kept very straight. So you allowed Riyad Mahrez to drift around and create. And that's what he was so good at. Uh, that season created more chance than any Leicester player in terms of his take-ons. was absolutely fantastic. The only two players in the league, one being Eden Hazard, completed more. So dribbling, he was fantastic. Creativity was great. And he just won Leicester City games on his own. And played his better football at the start of the season when Leicester City had a little bit more space on the break. As the season went on, teams learned to sit a bit deeper against Leicester, didn't get the, didn't give the likes of, uh, you know, Vardy space in behind, didn't give Mares the space in, in between. And that sort of relationship between poacher, goal scorer and Ria Mares creating worked so well because Vardy would, uh, you know, increase the space that Mares would have by stretching the opponents uh, back four. So Vardy would pull them back and then Mares would get into that little space with the defence not dropping back and it was brilliant. It was a lovely football and Ria Mares is, is a good player, very, very good player, just in bad form this season. We'll get up to those heights again, I do believe, in his career but will suit a counter-attacking side, potentially. Zinedine Zidane's Real Madrid, you heard it here first. But anyway, into the keyest component of the side, the most important cog in this team and that is, of course, Angulo Kante. What a season he had at Leicester City. What a season he's having this season at Chelsea. But he was so crucial at winning the ball back. Again, I spoke about how Leicester City could sit deep. They could also press high. Nguro Kante was the guy that was turning the ball over deep in the opponent's half. He made more uh, interceptions than any other opponent, any other player in the Premier League in the opponent's half and won more tackles. But it's tackling and intercepting stats overall were incredible. And it was that uh, duality of him being able to oppress in the final third, but also be able to recover the ball in his own defensive half. He, he won 125 tackles and made 156 interceptions. For a player, that is a joke. Statistically, that is a joke. Usually at the end of a season for a Premier League, you're probably hitting 90 to 100 and that is incredible Kante is you know 156 interceptions incredible but his ability to win the ball back and set Leicester City on the counter attack was so underrated that season 
coming from Cons, a player that did very well in league, going those stats, moving over to Leicester City and just having a perfect season. So good. His partnership with Danny Drinkwater, the understanding there was brilliant. One sit, one would go. One would press, one would sit. One would attack, one would sit. The relationship was perfect. It was a perfect central, ba- uh, central midfield pairing. And credit to Angulo Kante to playing playing sort of two midfield roles. We always you know go back to the, the number six, the number eight, the number 10 and the midfield three. Uh, you know, your number 10 is your sort of creator, your number uh, 8 is your sort of, you know, your ball winner, your, your aggressive player, and your number 6, your recycler. Kante was both both a recycler of ball and an aggressor, a winner of ball. To play those two roles that, re, you know, need you sort of high up the pitch winning the ball back in the final third, but also in the defensive third, incredible stamina, incredible distance that Kante covered that season. And it was just brilliant. A fan, you know, player of the season by a country mile for me in the Premier League and really, you know, sort of knit this team together in terms of the back four as well we've got to give them a bit of a shout out Wes Morgan and Robert Hooth were were monumental at the back in terms of um, defensive actions only Swansea City's centre-half pairing uh, Fazio and Ashley Williams made more actions than Wes Morgan and Robert Hooth and they were brilliant as well going forward and scoring goals from set pieces and that kind of was crucial towards the back end of Leicester City season when teams were sitting a bit deeper they weren't giving them as much space on the break Leicester City started to have to nick set pieces you think of a big big game against Manchester City Riyad Mahrez went on the wonder run got tucked down whipped the ball into the box and I think it was um, Wes Morgan no, maybe Robert Huth who headed the ball in, but that gave Leicester City that lead and let them, and then they fell back to classic Leicester City counter attacking, counter attacking, counter attacking. But it was so crucial to have those big lads that could score the goals. In terms of Wes Morgan, he became the third outfield player ever to play every single minute of a Premier League season, uh, done by John Terry in the 2014 15 season and Gary Pallister in the 2000, sorry, in the 1999, 90, sorry, 1992 93 season. But that was Leicester City, pace on the counter attack, goal taking the lead forward and recycling the ball in midfield so fast. And that was their key components. In terms of what went wrong for Ranieri, I'm going to break this down into three sections. So first up, we've got the signings um, and then we've got the not evolving the side. And then we're going to say, you know, we're going to go into whether he lost the players or not. So first up, the signings. So in the summer, Leicester City had a big, big job to do. When you win the Premier League, you have to evolve your side. Unfortunately, these signings, I don't think quite worked out for Leicester City. First up, uh, Slimani signed from Sporting Lisbon for a record fee for Leicester City. Uh, it, it didn't quite work. Leicester City had a great pacey attack, had flair, had aggression, had you know the pressing that Okazaki was so underrated as well in attacking midfield or playing as a, a sort of second striker behind Jamie Vardy meant Leicester City was so compact and you had to break in a way you had to break the Vardy line then you had to break the Okazaki line then you had to break the midfield line and the defence line so instead of having to break your three usual lines teams would have to break four and Okazaki was so crucial to that press so signing someone like uh, Slimani was a bit of a different option you know a direct option a physical option a target man option but he's not going to give you the, the same work rate I quite liken it to the Dimitar Berbatov signing to Manchester United in the 2008 season that was a bit weird when United had a great pacey counter-attacking t- um, two in Rooney and Tevez that worked so well together. They weren't big. They weren't, you know, they didn't need them to be big because they were so good technically on the ball. It was similar to that. Okazaki and Vardy, two very quick mobile strikers that could press from the front. Bringing a, a big lumbering target man in didn't quite work. In terms of Slimani this season, hasn't done too bad. You know, he's the top scorer, top assister for Leicester City, but breaks their style of football up, unfortunately. Moving on to other signings, uh, Daniel Armati. 
Fortunately, it just didn't work out for him. A, sign, a player signed in, a bit of a gamble from from Copenhagen. Um, it's always going to be a gamble signing players from not uh, you know not Europe's top five leagues in terms of what he was. A, you know, a tenacious ball winning defensive midfielder. He just hasn't filled the Conte roots. Ndidi's come in in January and I've been pretty impressed with Ndidi. Great performance against Liverpool on on Monday night. But it will take time for him to step up and and take over with uh, you know take over the Angulo Conte ranks. The only player that I would have signed if I was Leicester City, if I was the, the board there, if I was the guy making the decisions, I would have signed a, a Jesse guy. Would have been relegated with Aston Villa. In terms of his stats, the only player in world football that were slightly Angula Conte-esque in terms of interceptions, 140. So Conte only trumped him by 16 there. In terms of the tackles he won, 108. Um, uh, Kante up at one two five. So that was he was such a you know a like player. You watch him; it was quite similar. Would have, would be aggressive. Would win the ball out of the pitch. Would win the ball in his own defensive third. So I would have gone for him over signing Amati from Copenhagen. But anyway, I'm not in charge. In terms of Musa, another signing too like Jamie Vardy, not giving them a different option. I would have tried to replace Ogasaki if I could have replaced anyone. Tried to upgrade him. Get another sort of um, you know striker that could work hard that could work for you but also could nick a few goals in terms of Kabutska another player that I really raved about in the European Championships had a great game against Northern Ireland really you know won the ball from the front uh, was involved in all the attacking play and just had a great game and I sort of go back I was searching my Twitter timeline and I was just searching Kabutska for his game by numbers against Poland and a stat came up Kaputska has won the ball back six times in the opponent's half at Euro 2016 so far only Angulo Kante has won more that was after two games and I feel like Kaputska has been massively underutilised. He's a player that had talent, 20 years old, hungry, could have come in and been that Okazaki replacement, comfortable at playing second striker, technically very good, works very hard. Unfortunately, he's failed to make a Premier League appearance, only three appearances in cup competitions. And I feel like he would have been the guy I was ranting and raving about him, saying that Man United should have put a bid in for him. Leicester City got him, I thought it was a steal, but he just hasn't been used. And of course, the one that really was a bit weird as well, Mendy, signed from Nice, completed more passes than any other player um, that wasn't at PSG uh, in the in Liga that season, was a playmaker from deep, could have replaced the, being the number six that Angula Kante was doing. We mentioned that duality of roles, the eight and the six. Could have replaced the six and Adrissi Gay could have replaced the number eight. Again, it was a bit of a weird one that he's only played four times in the Premier League. Hasn't been given that chance. And that moves us nicely on to the evolution of this Leicester City side. Again, it's not happened. And when you're champions, you need to do that. The reason why Alex Ferguson was so successful is because every season, he'd at the end of the season, it'd all be about always be about that next year. How do I improve this side? You know, a player that I mentioned before, Dimitar Berbatov, why United signed him, to give United that plan B. When the short, um, slow, you know, short, short high-tempo pressing, attacking, counter-attacking football of Rooney and Tevez didn't work up front, Berbatov could come up as a target man. And that's what he tried to do with Soleimani. But I don't think that evolution was the right way. Again, going back to losing Angulo Kante, replace him with two players. You get a number six in, you get a number eight in. They could have had that number six in Mendy. They could have signed Adrissi Gay and been that number six. Or alternatively, what Leicester City could have done, what I would have loved to have seen, Danny Drinkwater becoming the number six. I mentioned before about Danny Drinkwater's range of passing and now he used to, you know, fire the ball forward and get Jamie Vardy started. Imagine Danny Drinkwater just sitting as a defensive midfielder or playing as like a number six, dropping between the centre-backs, playing those direct passes to, let's say, three forwards in Vardy, uh, potentially Musa would have suited this role and, and uh, Mares. That front three, that could have been quite a good option with someone like um, Ndidi if they picked him up a little bit earlier or Jesse Gay in there. Could have been quite a good midfield pairing, you know, Drinkwater... Being the playmaker, partnered by one of these ball winners, and then Kaputska at number ten. I just would have, you know, would have loved to see that. 
That could have been the evolution of the side. A young Polish lad can score goals, can work very hard, can win the ball back in the final third, you know, given that start I gave you about the European Championships. Drinkwater sitting as the six and then getting a number eight in two in the ball back that's how Leicester City could have evolved their team gone to maybe a 4-3-3 uh, or a 4-2-3-1 unfortunately they didn't do that and that's unfortunately where I feel that you know doing a little bit of, of digging into the, the tactics that Ranieri played in his last seven games you can kind of see where the players lost him and the instructions and so forth I feel like with this evolution from this 4-4-2 Leicester City should have stuck to a formation worked on that one formation one of the reasons why they were so good last season again was because they only used a, a small amount of players they only used 30 they only made 33 changes to the lineup during the whole season that was 20 more one fewer than any other Premier League side and that was the consistency in that 4-4-2 the consistency in that formation we've not seen an evolution of that 4-4-2 we've not seen a consistent evolution of that 4-4-2 now going back to the last seven games for Leicester the City was quite interesting so in the last seven games of um, Ranieri's reign sorry they won one game drew one and lost five and it was quite interesting so against uh, West Ham United Leicester City set up in a 4-2-3-1 with Riyad Mahrez uh, behind Soleimani which was quite interesting Leicester City winning the game uh, Soleimani grabbing the goal and then them sitting back counter-attacking sucking up the, the play so you're thinking Leicester City potentially might have something here Maybe the Tinker Man has finally sort of fallen on something that could work out. Riyad Mahrez uh, is back at number 10, playing some better football than he had been doing previously through the season. Then he went to Middlesbrough away and moved to a 4-4-2 diamond, which was a bit perplexing, you know, given the players that Leicester City have in their side, their strengths. The 4-4-2 diamond for, for me wasn't, wasn't the strengths. Ogazaki as a, number, as a number 10 at the tip of a diamond pretty crazy stuff you know if you see any midfield diamonds that we've seen recently either it's uh, a Vidal a midfield ball winner to recycle the ball quickly and then playing with a deep line playmaker and a Perlo or you're playing a number 10 there and Ogazaki you've got neither you've got a second striker that works very hard you've not got a playmaker um, at 10 or you've not got a more of a central midfielder you know someone that can play the ball someone that you know in uh, Vidal's qualities that he does have better on the ball than someone like Ogazaki then moving forward against Chelsea, again flipping the formation, going to a 3-5-2 to try and counter Chelsea's 3-4-3. I can understand why he's going for it, but it's the consistency of those formations. Three games, three different systems, three vastly different systems. A 4-2-3-1, massively different to a 4-4-2 diamond, massively different from a 4-3-3. It then moves on to the Southampton game, back to the diamond, then to Burnley, back to the 4-2-3-1, then to Manchester United where they went to the 4-4-2, then switched to a 4-5-1 in the second half and looked a lot better. And then finishing up at Swansea, not making enough tactical changes. And I can kind of see where this has come from, why he potentially lost the dressing room. It seemed like there wasn't, you know, a, it was too much twisting, too much tinkering. And he went, went, from being a manager that kept in consistent lineup to being a tinkerman. But that can't be it. You know, the players deserve to give Ranieri a little bit more. And by the statistics of the game against Liverpool on Monday night, given that the players ran an extra 10 kilometres um, in the game against Liverpool, that's 10 more kilometres than any other game in the Premier League this season. So there's some work rate issues there. You look at the big players. Jamie Vardy scored seven, well, it was before Ranieri got sacked, scored five goals this season. Last season was already on 18. You look at Riyad Mahrez, before Ranieri was sacked, three goals and two assists. 
the year before, 14 goals and 10 assists. There's performances there that aren't the same and Gulo Conte's missing and a lack of evolution to the squad that ultimately cost Claudio Ranieri his job. It was unfortunate Claudio Ranieri gave us some great moments in football. He gave us a great team. That Leicester City team is going to go down in history as one of the best counter-attacking teams we will ever see with some massive key components. But anyway, guys, that has been that for Leicester City. Please make sure that you subscribe to uh, the iTunes, uh, Statman Dave Football Podcast. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Statman Dave. Make sure you like the video on YouTube as well. And also, what do you think of Leicester City? Um, Tweet me. Are you sad that this is over? It's a sort of tribute to Claudio Ranieri's team, a bit of analysis of how the team played and then what went wrong. But anyway, guys, I've been Statman Dave. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. You guys are awesome. Over and out. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com